You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and other guests discuss primary care issues that are on their minds and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about oral allergy syndrome. Joining me is Dr. Katie Kennedy, who's an attending physician in the Division of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, also at CHOP. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Kennedy. Thank you so much for having me. So oral allergy syndrome, or OAS, is a form of a contact allergic reaction that occurs upon contact of the mouth and throat with raw fruits or vegetables. Let's use some case examples that come up in primary care often to illustrate how OAS is similar and different from other types of allergies. So the first case that I see often is during a well visit, a child proudly tells me, I like most fruits except kiwi because it makes my mouth feel fuzzy. Initially, I laugh when I hear this because I think that she's saying this because the fruit is fuzzy, but then when I ask her to describe what she means, she says something like, well, every time I eat kiwi, my tongue gets really itchy, so I just don't eat it anymore. When I hear stories like this, I'm worried about oral allergy syndrome. In this example, what other history should I obtain, Dr. Kennedy, to be sure of my diagnosis? Yeah, that's a great case. That's certainly something that we see a lot of as well. I just have to mention, though, that we use the term OAS or oral allergy syndrome. And just to be clear, that's synonymous with pollen food allergy syndrome. So sometimes you might see on our clinic visits or in our billing that PFAS is used. So just to be clear, they're the same thing. But I'll just use oral allergy syndrome or OAS. So I would just make sure that you get a really good history regarding multi-system involvement. So things like any kind of respiratory complaints, coughing, wheezing, or any kind of GI complaints that are maybe more objective, like vomiting. While IgE-mediated food allergies, so the classic food allergies requiring an EpiPen, those in regards to fruits or veggies are incredibly, incredibly rare, but it's not entirely impossible. So you definitely want to make sure that there's no additional body system involvement with the reaction and that it's just localized to the mouth. Another important piece would be a detailed history on seasonal allergies or environmental allergies, given that the high cross-reactivity that's occurring between some fruits and vegetables and even some of the nuts is present with environmental allergies. So getting a sense of what the patient experiences when the seasons change and how they fare in the spring and in the fall in terms of nasal complaints or eye complaints, you know, itchy eyes, watery eyes, itchy nose, sneezing, congestion, all that stuff. Family history overall is not incredibly relevant here. I mean, I have a lot of patients who a parent will have a problem eating kiwi or carrot or apple or something like that, and they want to know the child's risk of that. And it's really that you pass along the phenomenon of being an atopic individual. You're not really passing along the specific fruit problem or the specific vegetable problem or seasonal allergy problem. And so it's not as imperative, but I think if I were seeing this patient in clinic, I'd want to make sure in the very least, what are the other symptoms going on for sure? 
So it's important to get a history about other food allergies and systemic symptoms, and then not as important about family history, although we always ask that. But you mentioned seasonal allergies. So given that pollens cross-react with certain foods, how might seasonal allergies give me clues as to which other fruits or veggies a child might be allergic to? So oral allergy syndrome occurs when an individual who is sensitized to certain pollen allergens has minor oral symptoms with ingestion of the cross-reacting food. So you don't need to exhibit extreme seasonal allergy symptoms to have this phenomenon occur. In fact, the nose symptoms, the eye symptoms, they actually can be very, very subtle. However, history of mouth itch, et cetera, with ingestion of raw fruits in someone with seasonal allergies is pretty classic. So fruits and vegetables share a lot of homology between each other and also between pollen proteins. So in those folks who are sensitized to certain environmental allergens, IgE antibodies recognize the similar epitopes between whatever you are sensitized to and the food that you're ingesting. So you get this mild self-limited reaction in the mouth because there is that cross-reactivity. So in addition to the history of having some seasonal allergies, being aware of the general pollens that are out in the seasons in your area can be somewhat helpful. So Here in the mid-Atlantic, birch pollen, for example, is very abundant in the spring, and it's something that we are all dealing with right now. And that particular allergen that's cross-reactive for me to know is BET-B1. And that birch tree allergen is cross-reactive with a number of things such as apples, peaches, plums, pears, cherries, apricots, and also soy, peanuts, hazelnuts, and almonds. And so knowing some general patterns for the allergens in your area and your season can be helpful. Not something to memorize necessarily, but just to know that there are some strong patterns. And for us, it's going to be the birch pollen in the spring. Another big one in the mid-Atlantic is ragweed weed pollen, and that cross-reacts with a lot of the melons as well as banana. So again, just being aware of the general allergen sort of patterns and the big allergens that are players in your area for specific seasons can be helpful. Great. We'll leave that memorizing up to the allergists, (laughs) but it's good to know, like you said, that there are some patterns. And for those who um, aren't in the Northeast, learning your local seasonal allergens and patterns might be helpful. So another case for us to talk about, this time a parent mentions to me that they think their child is allergic to apples. She says that when she eats a raw apple, her lips get swollen. Her prior pediatrician told her she couldn't be allergic though because she eats things like apple pie and apple muffins without any issues. So does this sound like OAS? And if so, why do reactions sometimes happen with fruits or veggies in one form but not another? This is a a great example. So this sounds exactly like OAS. And oftentimes what will happen is that you ingest the raw fruit or vegetable and that causes problems. But when you heat the food, it does not elicit a similar reaction. And that basically in and of itself will rule out an IgE-mediated food allergy or or like what I call tell parents EpiPen food allergy because cooking is not really going to make a difference in terms of allergenic foods with the exception of milk and egg. So what happens is that those epitopes that I had mentioned prior, what's being recognized on the food by the immune system will undergo a conformational change upon heating or when in contact with digestive enzymes. So like I mentioned, those proteins are very labile. So once they have that change, and once you change that protein structure by heating, by stomach acids, whatever, but really by heating, you don't have the same ability of that IgE or that antibody to bind that protein. And so you change it and you don't have the same reaction. So that's really, really classic. You 
can eat raw apples, but apple pie is totally fine. And that's actually the exact question that I ask patients in clinic. (laughs) I'm glad to know that I'm on track with that one. So when a child has OAS symptoms, do you recommend that they take something like an antihistamine to help treat those symptoms? It really depends on the situation. You definitely can, but if the symptoms are really mild and it's something that the child really enjoys eating, like, you know, raw apples during apple picking season, for example, it's really up to them. I mean, it's it that history is really classic. So, and like I mentioned, the proteins are really labile. So the risk of a systemic reaction is not there. If they want to push through it and eat without taking an antihistamine, that's totally up to them. If it's mild, I probably would. But if it's significant enough and they really love that food, then yes, they can take an oral antihistamine prior to help treat those symptoms for sure. Another story I hear frequently is that a child breaks out in a rash after eating strawberries or tomatoes. Typically, this is a blotchy rash on the cheeks and around the mouth. Without other reported symptoms of things like swelling or systemic symptoms, how can I differentiate skin irritation from acidic foods like these in a messy baby toddler eater versus something like OAS? So typically with contact reactions, you're going to see flat red rashes, just like you mentioned. So not urticaria or hives, no angioedema or swelling. And that really can be helpful with differentiating contact rashes versus OAS. Because remember, in OAS, it's still an, it's still an IgE-mediated process. So you're going to have some histamine release there. You can see contact hives with these raw fruits or vegetables. And you can see a little bit of minor lip swelling. But contact rashes just because of, you know, something super acidic or what have you or, you know, messy foods getting everywhere. Those rashes are really going to be flat, blotchy, maybe some pinpoint dots, but not histamine driven, not urticarial. And those contact rashes are going to go away once you wipe away the food pretty quickly. Now, you've mentioned a few times or made a distinction, I should say, about carrying an EpiPen for some food allergies, but not OAS. So I just want to be clear on that because CHOP allergy has trained me really well. When I identify a food allergy, I teach families about anaphylaxis and prescribe an EpiPen. In the case of OAS, though, what is the risk of anaphylaxis and should these kids ever carry an EpiPen? That's a a great question and one that comes up all the time. I want to kind of answer this in two ways. One, I think as a, a general provider, if any child for any food has multi-system involvement upon eating something, even if it's an apple and I'm sitting here saying, oh, apples, birch trees, you're fine. If there are multiple systems involved, including anything respiratory or GI in terms of vomiting, you know, coughing and wheezing with ingestion, then I would have them carry an EpiPen and avoid. Mm -hmm. And of course, refer to allergy for further evaluation. So anything multi-system, regardless of how much you think it's OAS, should needs an EpiPen because there is a theoretical risk that the proteins, you know, could be ingested and could cause something more dramatic, I guess I would put that. And and remember, I mentioned earlier on that birch tree, again, for example, does cross-react with some of our more highly allergenic proteins that are found in peanut, in soy, in almond, in hazelnut. And so for those highly allergenic foods, I think that carrying an EpiPen and referral for any kind of mouth symptoms is appropriate. The risk of anaphylaxis, though, from classic OAS is not there. So if we have a straightforward patient, I'm going back to the apple example, 
I would not have that patient carry an EpiPen just for some mouth itch. I mean, clearly, if they can tolerate it with heated, then that's not a risk for a systemic reaction. But it's the more allergenic foods that do have cross-reactivity that I would have them carry an EpiPen, and if there's any history of multi-system involvement. But again, just, you know, overall, very rare to anaphylax from oral allergy syndrome. And overall, we do not have patients carry an EpiPen unless those different points are met above. That's a great distinction. So we know from other food allergies that some kids can outgrow them. Is this the case with OAS too? And if so, how do you know if or when you can try reintroducing these foods? You know, there's really no data on long-term prognosis for these patients. In general, my approach has been that you have to kind of trend it with the seasonal allergy symptoms that they're having. So you can outgrow environmental allergens. And so certainly if those improve as kids grow, then I would expect the oral allergy symptoms to also improve and potentially go away. And so, you know, that would be a good reason or a good time to reintroduce the foods. But, you know, in general, again, if it's a food a child really loves and it's just causing mild symptoms, like the apples again, for example, then we wouldn't have necessarily have had them stop to begin with, if that makes sense. Right. That makes sense. As you mentioned, the symptoms can be mild, so they may never have stopped it. But I like that idea of tracking it with their seasonal allergies. So on that note, can I manage these cases in primary care or should these patients be referred to an allergist? So I think, again, it kind of depends on the patient and also your comfort level. But if it's a patient with uncontrolled seasonal allergies and they're struggling with a number of different fruits, it's worth referring. We can perform specific IgE testing to the environmental allergens via skin testing and get a better handle on control as the seasons change. Allergen immunotherapy or allergy shots are very efficacious for seasonal allergies, and there is some secondary benefit or secondary effect on OAS, and so we could address that as well. And in particular, as I mentioned before, if any of these concerns involve the more allergenic foods like the nuts, then I would refer them, yes. In addition to testing, we can also offer oral food challenges. So food challenges are a great way to determine if ingestion of a full serving size amount of the food in question is going to cause an IgE-mediated systemic reaction done in a medical setting with physicians overseeing each patient, so very safe. In the end, we can also help determine whether or not the food in question is of a big risk if it's one of the nuts or if there's this concern of a fruit causing any kind of multi-system involvement, we can utilize that resource as well. So it depends on the situation and the patient as well. I think if they have a lot going on and they're really struggling getting through the seasons from a nasal and eye perspective in addition to all of their oral allergies, then yes, I absolutely would prefer them. You know, and I think we can also help tease out with the nuts and soy, for example, whether or not we think this is all cross-reactivity or is it isn't a true food allergy that must be removed from the diet for their safety. Great, great points that we should consider knowing that there is a lot of overlap with these different diagnoses. And also, in my experience, sometimes because families may have other kids with food allergies or you know bad seasonal aller allergies, they may already be connected with an allergist. And even though this child may only have OAS, they want to get that evaluation. I think that's appropriate when you have a f household where you're trying to manage multiple different food restrictions to think through what's safe and what's not. So we've learned a lot today about OAS, and I know there's a lot more under the big umbrella of food allergies, but what would you like us as primary care pediatricians to know specifically about OAS and caring for these patients? 
I think specifically, no, that it's incredibly common. I think all of us can name several people just off the top of our heads, not patients, but family and friends who have issues with fresh fruits. And it's very common and your seasonal allergy symptoms could be very, very mild. I think that I, you know, when I was a medical student or a, re- and a resident, I, I just associated OAS with having severe seasonal allergies, like the people who really can't go outside in the spring. That's not the case. It could be very subtle and mild. And I think that these symptoms, you know, while some people can push through, they can be really, really, really irritating for kids and really annoying. Um, and I think just just recognizing that it is a true phenomenon because I, I have had a couple families where, um, you know, the kids are really complaining about these itchy mouth with these variety of fruits and parents just say, oh, they just don't want to eat fruit. They just don't want to eat fruit. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely a real entity. And I know we all know that, but I, I certainly come across families not being aware. And I think even with mild seasonal allergy symptoms, it can still truthfully be there and be quite irritating for families and kids. That's a great point. I didn't even think about the fact that it could be mistaken as food avoidance for fruits and vegetables, but that's actually sort of funny. Don't tell my children that this diagnosis exists or they'll be using it as an excuse. But for many kids, you're right, that we should listen to them if they're describing symptoms of itching or swelling or discomfort when they're eating a particular food. And to keep that point in mind, if the seasonal allergies are mild, that is still some significant history to keep in mind. So thank you so much for telling us more about oral allergy syndrome and for everything that you and your partners in the Division of Allergy and Clinical Immunology at CHOP do for our patients. So thanks for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcast for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.